Today's story concerns adult subject matter for mature listeners. If that's not your cup of tea, or there are youngsters listening, please skip this one and come back for another story another time. You're listening to The Voice of Dog. This is Rob McWolf, your fellow traveler. And today's story is Victor Tremblay in Because of the Night by Pascal Farfel, who is currently on the run from various angry Hallmark Channel executives. And you can find more of his stories on his Fur Affinity and So Furry pages. Please enjoy Victor Tremblay in Because of the Night by Pascal Farfel. I arrived in Washington State in March of 1970. Those first eight months had passed at a snail's pace. If I wasn't jumping through hoops trying to get my private detective badge, I was trying to find a place to live. But by December, I had finally settled in. I walked home from my office on Christmas Eve, wrapped up in a coat and scarf over my suit just to stay warm, with an old pair of hiking boots on my feet. A lemur instinctively wants to use all four hands to grip, but I know those big boots of mine will do better than my feet possibly could. Winters in Quebec were viciously cold, and Seattle's were viciously wet. But this year, the snow had arrived. I trudged through the snow with something of a spring in my step. This was my first Yule without my biological family. In May, I had met the man I'd marry and call my husband in the far-off year of 2003. It was already dark, and the snowfall was shaping up to become a blizzard. All around the streets I walked were brightly lit homes, filled with families congregating for prayer and feast. After about an hour of walking, I finally made it home. The lights were on, so Charles had already made it back. He worked at a garage that was much closer to the home than my office. As I entered the house, I was greeted with a blast of warm air. A log fire was slowly kindling away, and my fox was slipping out of his greasy overalls. He heard me arrive, turned his head and smiled. Hello, sweetheart, he said, tone thick, warm and sultry. It sent a fuzziness up my spine. His thick gold hair flopped unkemptly over his shoulders, his auburn eyes meeting mine. Charles would always giggle when I spoke fondly of his physical description. There was something about how he expressed his gender which I found irresistible. Charles's masculine in build, in intonation, and in stature, with well-considered feminine attributes sprinkled in his hair in some respects, though most significantly his gait. I mean, with hindsight and years of experience I have now, he was simply a twink. Not that 19-year-old me had any concept of what that meant. I could only assume 19-year-old Charles was just infatuated at being in love with a crime-fighting, suit-wearing man like myself. I suppose I had what society suggested a man was. A little gravely of tone, wearing a suit, a talent for firm glares. Oh, and completely incapable of talking about my feelings. He stepped towards me as I eased out of my coat. And hello to you, too, I replied. Now down to my shirt and slacks. Walk back okay? I asked, closing the distance between us, standing nose to nose. Far from ideal, 
He snorted, stared into my eyes. But with a little good luck and sure footing, I managed all right. Doubt it would have been much better in the car. It was gridlock all the way into the city. We're holding each other. It's an unspoken decision. It's just what lovers do. It was very unlike what my mother and father did. As I grew up, I saw my mother and father become worse and worse at it. On a good day, me and my siblings had been pawns in the chess match. On a bad day, we were the table it was played upon. I love you, I said. I'm non sequitur. I'd become distracted by the sound of Charles's voice over the words he was saying. Got better at not doing that, but in the early months, I fell into that trap a lot. My fox blushed and grinned, gave me the look again. I love you too, he said, his muzzle unable to decide between grinning and smirking. I knew what the look meant, but I was refusing to accept that Charles was interested in more than love. And that deep down I was too. Didn't want to confront that. Something deep in my body told me I must never confront it. Those wild seas weren't for me to tame, I told myself. We finished undressing. With the fire lit, I was comfortable in just a shirt and slacks. Charles was his Charles with his t-shirt and jeans. While on lunch, I had a look in the library for stuff on Yule, I said. Could only really find loose descriptions of it as a pagan Christmas. Well, it's rather more freeform than that, the fox explained. It's not one festival, per se. It's a catch-all term for pagan celebrations during December. There are thereabouts. So do we do presents, arguments, right-wing elders singing folk songs in a gazebo? I asked, strolling into the kitchen and starting to prepare dinner. It was an open-plan house, one big room with the kitchen, living room, and dining room, all open-plan. The bedroom and bathroom were the only other rooms in the place. Folk songs? Charles queried. Yeah, my family knew a guy, folk singer. Myself and a bunch of the other rich families would go around to his place a week or so before Christmas Day, and we'd sit around and he'd sing folk songs for us. I explained, filling a pan with water and setting it to boil. My fox nodded. Do you remember any of the songs? Not particularly, but I do remember that I liked Alec Clairefontaine. You remember the tune? Yes, but I'm no singer, I smirked. It's about this girl who rejects a... It's about this girl who rejects a romantic advance to look with a rose, and she comes to a fountain to regret it. Charles chuckled. You a rose kind of man? I snorted and grinned. Flower isn't gonna sway me one way or the other on a man. I decanted the pasta and got ready to add it to the pan. I looked across, him flicking through his record collection. A collection which would grow hugely, but for now it was just three. Black Sabbath self-titled, In the Court of the Crimson King by King Crimson, and clutched in his paws deep purples in rock. Hidden in the bedroom, I'd got the first Emerson, Lake, and Palmer album as his Yule present. All the other songs were about how great the local community was and 
All I wanted to do was leave, I grunted. Charles stepped back into the kitchen, took a pan, and started to create the sauce for the pasta. Traveling, he began. Part of me misses it. Part of me loathes it. It was a long trip across America. Charles paused, staring wistfully at the pan. Did I ever tell you how I got to Seattle? In a plane? Boxcars, he smiled. My folks couldn't afford a car, and if we could, I wouldn't have been able to take it all the way here. I left a few months after I turned 18, so I didn't have all that much money to fall back on. Maybe a couple years of savings? I just bungled into the back of a boxcar and then did menial jobs in towns to make money for food. And boarded a bus if I was lucky or another train if I wasn't and kept going. Menial jobs? Painted a few signs, mowed a lawn, sucked a few cocks. Think I had to reattach a barn door for some guy in New Mexico. The image of Charles's performing the acts flashed through my mind. I gulped. You participated in, uh, uh, prostitution? Charles clarified very matter-of-factly. He gave a shrug. I consented to it. The guys were sober. I was sober. I made a fair bit of cash. He paused and fumbled his head. What I didn't consent to was one time after pleasuring a guy, he immediately called the cops to accuse me of buggery. I had to run like hell to the train tracks and got lucky to scoot out of there. Warrant is probably still out for me in Oklahoma. The sex didn't seem to trouble him, that he'd sold himself for money. He only seemed uncomfortable with the last part. I wasn't ready to reckon with that. I didn't want to reckon with that. I changed the subject. Traveling was freeing for me, I admitted. Finally stood up and did what I wanted for a change, not what everyone else wanted. I told them I had a job opportunity in Vancouver. My father gave me a bus ticket. Didn't even ask me to phone when I got there. I think they wanted me gone just as much as I wanted them gone. He nodded. Have you spoken to them since? No. We stood in silence, interrupted only by the water boiling in the pan. I put the pasta in and glanced over the clock. Do your folks know about us? Yes, Charles said. They like the sound of you. Why did you do it? Cross country from Georgia, that is. Fox shrugged. A shithole. They didn't like our kind of people down there. I left my folks, but I couldn't stay there. They stayed because moving across the width of the country is a lot more difficult when you're old. Charles chuckled. They did get you a Yule present, though. I blushed. Oh, I... didn't. I only got something for you. Charles nodded. You weren't to know. Perhaps next year. He stepped close, wrapped his arms around me, and put his nose under my muzzle. We decanted our pasta into two bowls and took our seats at the table. What's his plan for tomorrow? I asked. 
wake up, have presents, I'll ring my folks, and I don't know if you intend to ring yours. Probably not. I'll save myself the bother. Them not knowing where you are would explain why they didn't send anything for you, Charles said, clearing his throat before adding it a whisper. In case you were wondering. They'll find out, I grunted. I'll want their toy back one day, I guarantee it. Changing the subject, I took another mouthful of dish. Tastes wonderful, dear. He grinned and gave me a very vulpine purr. Oh, thank you. Having you at my side always makes the difference. Under the warm aroma of tomato and basil, I could finally smell Charles's arousal. But I told myself again and again that I couldn't. He's not really turned on right now, I lied to myself. He doesn't actually want to, you know. Fear. That was it. Actual, palpable fear. But I hit it well. I ate pasta and I smiled. This was love. That barely acceptable kind of love between two men. The plausibly deniable kind, perhaps. I didn't want that. I wanted the loud, weird, uncompromisingly sexual kind of love, but I was far too scared to seek it. Going to be a cold, cold night tonight, Charles said, placing his fork in the empty bowl in front of him. I might top up the fire, if you don't mind. You're right ahead, I said. I'll wash up. He nodded and went to the fireplace as I stood and returned to the kitchen. I didn't watch what he was doing. I heard him add more wood to the fire, but I focused on cleaning. That sickly, swirling mess in my guts refused to go away. I was going to cross the Rubicon, and it was going to happen tonight. It wasn't that I thought Charles would be upset if I said no, as much as a devil in the corner of my mind said otherwise. If I didn't have sex, I'd have run away for nothing. I would have taken the risk for nothing. Maybe I wasn't actually gay after all. If I did, God, couldn't, could I? That'd be... Sure, a thorough cleaner, aren't you? Charles whispered. He placed a kiss on the back of my head. His arms wrapped around me. Bare fur, hot. Warm fur. He purred in my ear. He was hard as a rock. I let the fork and bowl drop into the sink. And I stood still. His paws eased around in front of me. He took my belt in his paws and loosened it. I felt a sudden rush of vertigo. That sickness in my gut grew more. And more, my trousers fell to the floor. Took a nervous glance down to confirm what my senses were telling me. Couldn't do this. God wouldn't let me do this. My father wouldn't let me do this. I wanted this so badly, more anything I could have. My scars drew claws. They bit tore. 
Charles eased me around, stared into his eyes. At first, the heat of arousal, but then the fire melted into concern, into care, into love. Man, I fell so in love with him, the reason why, all in one. All I knew was I was crying. He eased me into a hug, then took me across the room to the couch. I sat there a while, him holding me, me crying and shivering. I felt dizzy. I watched the flames envelop a log in front of me. Listened to it crackle and simmer. It was mesmerizing. I'm, I'm sorry, I... No, Charles said firmly but softly. Sorry is when you do something wrong. Happened, he said. He said it a whisper, licking my cheek. I think I might be sick, I admitted. It's not you, it's... He licked me again and got up and returned with a bucket. Then sat with me again. I'm nervous, I blurted out. My gut lurches and the words just fall out. Men weren't supposed to do this, apparently. My dad punished me for it a lot in Quebec. Charles nod. Charles nodded. His paw eased around me. About what? He was asking it at my level. It lacked the prying I was used to at home and sincerity. It's like an alien concept to me. I turned to look in his eyes again. That horny smirk he had before was long gone. Placed that patient, warm look. The look that melted a steel man to the core. About sack, I blurted again. Blunt two-ton brick truth. I'd never had gay sex, and at the time I'd dreamed, fantasticated, wanted more than anything for it, but I never felt brave enough to make it happen. A queer like me was destined to embarrassing, degrading quickies and gas station toilets. Secrets kept from a wife unloved. It was how I was taught, at least. And I'd only had terrible teachers up to this point. I understand, Charles replied. We don't have to have sex. I Want to, I blurted again. Want to more than anything, but I can't. What about it makes you nervous? He asked. Now I'd started talking about it, I couldn't stop it. The words just poured out the dam at burst. I've never had gay sex. I was told it was wrong, I said at last. I was told by my parents that it was an unwashable sin, that if I had sex with a man, let him bugger me, it would consume me. I'd turn into some loveless sex addict, and once I'd done it, I could never go back. When I first saw gay porn, it was extreme, obscene, ungodly. It was everything I'd ever dreamed of. It was exactly what my family said it was, only it looked so much more exciting and fun than I'd ever imagined. I looked back into my fox's auburn eyes. When my family found out what I was, they called me a faggot. 
He told me they'd have aborted me if they'd have known. That any love I had would be illegitimate and phony. Love is between a man and a woman who hate each other's guts and scream at each other and throw shit at their kids if they ask too many fucking questions. I realized I was shouting. Tried to breathe and sit back in the seat. What they called love was all lies. It was all lies. You've put your life on the line for this, haven't you? Giles said softly. Running away from your abusers is an act of defiance, of desperation, to become the man you are inside. And now that you've made your home to roost, you worry about what might happen if it's not what you wanted. That if gay sex isn't as good as you think it is, then you will have done this for nothing. Look at me. I raised my head, looked into his warm auburn eyes again. You did the right thing. Regardless as to whether you enjoy what might or might not happen in that bedroom, you ran for the right reasons. They hurt you, they abused you, and they used you. Even if Victor Tremblay is a straight man, he should be one on his own terms, not theirs. Charles guided me into his arms, and I pressed my head to his shoulder. He held me, hugged me, enveloped me in his warmth. Eventually, I eased back up. I dried my eyes and sat. He sighed and slumped back on the couch. That uh, Christian god you were brought up with was never keen on love, was he? I shrugged. I have no idea. Their god hates me. I blotted out everything they told me about him. God is about love, Charles said. When people have consensual sex, God is happy, whether it be two men, two women, a man and a woman, three men and two women, a bunch of people who aren't neither. Love is the point. Love is the purest holy thing there is, and if love is wrong, then God is dead, he said at last, pausing and looking into the ether. Shit, he grunted. He took his turn to stare into the fire. Charles's faith is entirely different to any I'd encountered before. He'd told me of it, a system by which God is all caring but almost powerless. Able only to shove events a little bit, not to mention being fallible. My fox had inherited this sect from his family. I wish I knew where I belonged, Charles said at last. These non-sequiturs were clunky and blunt, but for two 19-year-old men taught from birth that a man's problems are buried with his body, this was Herculean. I don't have a place I fit in. I'm jealous that you are comfortable in how you relate to the world, he added, turning to look at me. You're an atheist. Some folks are Christian, Muslim, Jewish, he sighed. I feel like I'm a nothing. There are other atheists you can talk to, people in the world you can look at and say, they're like me. 
I've got my family and God. But not the same one as anyone else. But not the same one as anyone else. I don't have a church or a mosque I can go to to meet other people, to sit, to talk, to share recipes, to celebrate life and feel grounded. That's what scares you, I said. The hate in the world, the way people like us are treated. Yes, he said, gulping. You don't kill God with a handgun, you kill God by destroying love. He sighed, then gave a nervous chuckle. Sounds ridiculous when I say it out loud. It doesn't, I said. There was a second part of that sentence, but I couldn't piece it together. I kept trying, mouth hanging open, but nothing would come out. He smiled at me, appreciating my efforts. One day I might find someone who knows the same God I do, he said at last. But until then, my tribe is defined by its attraction to the same sex, he concluded, resting his head on my shoulder. My heart rate had gone down. I tried to center myself again, I tallied everything I could see. Charles was just in his underwear. I was halfway undressed, and I distracted myself from my troubles by undressing until I matched my fox. The fire was warm. Sat there in our underwear, the heat of the fire easing my bones, letting our minds melt a little, hoping the problems might burn to ash, disappear. They did not. My nose gave a twitch. I could smell the stirring of my loins and those of Charles. He gave an amused snort very quietly as he cottoned onto it, too. Seemed I'd have to start asking questions about sex now, not later. I looked down through my legs. It's not subtle. In fact, looking wasn't really necessary to confirm it. That pit of anxiety started to swirl again. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do, Charles whispered again. I glanced. He was as stiff as I was. This information didn't help or hinder me. Push me one way or the other, it's just more data. Heaps and heaps of data. I opened my mouth again and more words tumbled out. My only experience of gay sex was the porn we found, and the only stuff in it was either clandestine, loveless quickies, or excessive, rough stuff. Desperate blowjobs behind bike sheds between straight guys, or guys in ominous outfits in dungeons putting enormous things in each other. My mind wandered. I remembered. I leaked a little, as I recalled. I liked it. I read it all, every page, and I loved it. My fox smiled and nodded. There were loads of kinds of gay sex, Charles added. More ways than you can imagine. You'd be surprised to know the guys tied up in dungeons putting fists in each other are far more safe than the guys sucking random people off in bus stops. How do you know all this stuff? I asked. I spent a year as a broke queer traveling in boxcars, the fox smiled. Any kind of grimy back alley sex you do because you're desperate, 
It's something I've seen people do, or done myself, once or twice. And I've met the kind of people who do stuff in sex dungeons. I definitely feel safer among them. He snorted. You have any idea the amount of care and forethought that goes into that? His paw eased down to my thigh. But sex doesn't need to be that extreme. Either extremely risky or extremely intense. It's perfectly valid to do it that hardcore. I want to do that kind of stuff, but... He shifted closer to me. Gay sex can just be some guys who bathe each other in kisses, lay upon soft, plush blankets, and spend warm, tender hours milking orgasms and love from each other. That's sex, too. No more or no less valid than the hardcore stuff. He gave me the look again. His manhood is impossible to ignore, even in his underwear. A lump formed in my throat. I want it, I said. He nodded. Then we shall have it, he said. Whenever it feels right, we can try. Whether it be in a month, tonight, in a year, in twenty seconds' time. Kissed me, and I kissed him back. I want you, not just your inches. I'd felt such an intense failure for being born a faggot. But here I sat, alongside another like me, and it was the first real love I'd ever felt. And it was far better than whatever the fuck my parents were doing. Charles is what love feels like. And sometimes I worried that I'd missed it in heterosexual interactions, but with him it was this unstoppable force Subtle in some ways, a soft form surge, but in all other ways it was inescapable. Feels like the very energy used to create planets, like a small waft of the very flux of the universe. No wonder Charles's faith means so much to him. Let's cry a bit, I whispered. Charles nodded. Okay, how about we start with just being naked and aroused while sharing this cap? It seemed agreeable. I undressed and discarded my underwear behind the couch, away from the fire. I watched my fox do likewise before scooting closer. Our fur touched the leg. I felt one of his paws brush through my fur. My eyes wandered to his flesh and I stared at it. The idea of it made my heart rate. What it might feel like. Where I wanted him to put it. That's it, Charles whispered. Touch it. I gulped. I reached. I touched. The Rubicon was crossed. He let out a little gasp, this delighted little sound that felt like someone had put jumper cables directly on my heart. I didn't know what that sound was, but I knew that I wanted him to do it again a lot. And I was crying. 
I only realized it when I attempted to inform Charles that he was, too. He nodded and made no effort to stop. Instead, he lay me back on the couch and eased himself over me. Chest to chest, phalla to phalla. Is this sex? I asked. The question sounded stupid the moment I said it, but became more complicated the more I thought about it. Only if you want it to be, he whispered. Think of it like a cuddle, a warm, cozy snuggle. You can come if you want to. I just hope it feels like love. I leaned up and kissed him, purred and rubbed against me, enveloping me in his warmth. I don't really remember the details that followed. Just that it absolutely felt like love. This was Victor Tremblay in Because the Night by Pascal Farfel. Read for you by Rob McWool, Werewolf Hitchhiker. You can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Happy holidays, and thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.